Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Point Sports Podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. I'm just doing a little bit of stretching before, because I'm about to run a marathon, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to run a marathon. Great show today, great podcast today. I'll say this, probably the most important podcast of the week. Probably, uh, because it probably will. I say probably because it probably will. We're going to cover a lot of different stuff today. We're going to hit on, obviously, all of the Sunday games, the Saturday games. We're going to cover Monday Night Football as well. A lot of news kind of shifted, kind of happened today as well. Also, I kind of learned about the new coaching hiring process. I didn't read up on it. I was a little bit confused on it. I didn't know what was going on. Now I know what's going on. We'll talk about that because Jacksonville has requested a lot of interviews with a lot of different coaching candidates, and a lot of them are very, very good. Now, here's the reality. We'll we'll start off with Jacksonville in a little bit, but Jacksonville... I already like their head coaching candidates already. I I feel like there is the head coach is within one of them. Like they'll find their head coach. You know, let's start off with Jacksonville. I'm like, I don't even want to delay. I don't even want to wait. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to delay. So Jacksonville, I think got about eight candidates requested eight interviews with eight different candidates. Now, The two candidates that I don't know their names and they're just, they're good candidates, quote unquote, they're good candidates, but they're not going to be in the running at all. I would be surprised if either one of these candidates actually got hired. These are just big names that people have talked about for the last couple of, uh, of weeks or months or years. So they're just, they're going to get an interview, but really the interview is, it's a formality, even if they get to that spot of the interview process. But first, let me describe what's going on. You have no idea what is going on, actually. So, essentially, the NFL, they made this uh, this new rule. They cleared it that if you are a football team, within two weeks of the season ending, the regular season ending, if you are a football team within two weeks of the regular season ending, and you have fired your head coach, you now have the ability to start interviewing Head coaching candidates. Isn't that fun? It's fun for me. It's fun for all the teams that could potentially get their uh, their work done early and start working on a plan and free agency and things of that nature because you really don't want to have to wait a long time to get your head coach because you got to go to the combine in February. The senior bowl is in like mid-January. So really you want to get your head coach within the next couple of weeks and that's what this rule is all about. Makes a lot of sense actually. But again, the rule only applies if we're two weeks out from the regular season ending, which we are. We are in week 17 officially. We we still have to play the week 17 game and then the week 18 game and then boom, regular season is over with straight into the playoffs. Okay? So, you have to fire your head coach. Jacksonville already did. They fired Urban Meyer a couple of weeks ago. I think the only other team that qualifies 
is also the Las Vegas Raiders. It's, I believe, the only other team that qualifies because, again, they fired John Gruden around early November, late October. So they're good and green to go as well. Uh, I don't. I haven't heard anything about them. Also, another team that probably should fire their head coach, and I don't know why the McCaskies are so dead set on keeping this stupid 100-year um, rule relevant within the organization. It's not like their family has won anything in the NFL to begin with. Uh, The Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears have not fired the terrible Matt Nagy, who has not had a winning season since 2018. I mean, he's been to the playoffs with an 8-8 record, by the way. But he's been to the playoffs with an 8-8 record, but he has never won a playoff game, and this year is his worst year, and he probably got an upgrade at quarterback in Justin Fields, but he doesn't know how to coach at all. I mean, he should go, like, they should fire him so that way they can start working on their new head coach. But really, Chicago's a nice destination to land to begin with. There's a lot of pieces there, so maybe they don't even have to fire him. Maybe they'll just luck into a good candidate. They probably will, because to be honest with you, there's more candidates than jobs. Or more specifically, more quality candidates than jobs. And we'll get into those candidates right now. So, I was on Twitter, as I always am. When I start seeing the tweets come in, Tom Pelissero, Ian Rappaport, Mike uh, Garofolo, or Garofolo, however you say his last name, Adam Schefter, all reporting coaches were getting, or more specifically teams were getting, um, were getting like the question of, hey, can we interview one of your coaches for our head coaching job? The notable candidates were and are and also the fired and teamless Jim Caldwell. He was one of the candidates as well. Doug Peterson, Brian Lefwich, Todd Bowles, Matt Eberflus, Kellen Moore, and Dan Quinn. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. Don't want to overload you with a bunch of information. You'll probably hear those names pretty consistently and pretty rapidly as we go through this hiring Uh, this hiring cycle, this next couple of weeks. Because more teams are going to fire their head coaches, as they should, because their coaches have been very bad. So, Matt Eberflus, big name, a lot of people like him. He's the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. He's not going to get a job, okay? Also, by the way, the, um, what is it? The Packers OC... He's going to get an interview. He's not going to get the job. The whole scheme is essentially Matt LaFleur's scheme. It's not his. It's Matt LaFleur's. He got it from Sean McVay. It's West Coast. He's not going to get the job. Packers offensive coordinator isn't going to get the job. Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator for the Colts, he's not going to get the job. Nobody wants to hire a defensive coordinator nowadays. Even if you have like, a really, really awesome defensive coordinator being a head coach or a defensive-minded coach, they never amount to what an offensive-minded head coach is, or they have to have some type of a preference to the offense. Like, for example, Sean uh, McDermott, who's just like, yeah, just go do your thing. Meanwhile, you have Sean McVay stumbling on the defensive player of the decade, probably in Aaron Donald, and uh, a defensive coach in Jeff Fisher couldn't even freaking figure him out. 
again, defensive guys don't last. There was another coach, but he's irrelevant. I forgot who the other coach was. Again, like, I mean, I can just look it up. Hold on. It was on Ian Rappaport's timeline here. I forgot who it was. It was somebody. Uh, the Packers OC. Who is it? I don't know. I forgot who he was. He, it doesn't matter. He's not going to get the job. I say that now as I, like, was sure as the day freak as the sun comes as the sun sets in the east or rises in the east or no excuse me freaking the sun freaking rises you know what i mean it rises and it sets as sure as i knew that the sun was gonna rise and then set or rise and then fall i was sure eric the enemy was gonna get a job last year and he did not however i am sure that those guys the packers oc and whoever else i was thinking of will not get the job and i don't think Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, the Dallas Cowboys coordinator, I don't think he'll get the job. He's just a media hype guy. The media's like, oh my God, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn. Just, I, I don't think he'll get the job. Todd Bowles, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive coordinator, I don't think he'll get the job either. I don't think, and let me be clear on this, I don't think either one of these two guys will really get the job or a job going forward from here. Or at least I don't think that because I think if a smart GM looks at their records over four or five years with the Jets and the Atlanta Falcons respectively, I'm like, yeah, I'm not hiring those guys because they had terrible records, especially Dan Quinn at the end of his tenure with Atlanta. And Todd Bowles was just, he was just a train wreck in New York. So wasn't a great, uh, great situation for either one of those coaches to be in the guys that i saw that they had requested an interview with and for and i think out of these three guys they'll get one of them will get the job one of them will get the job it's brian Leftwich, the tampa bay buccaneers offensive coordinator more on him later kellen moore the offensive coordinator for the cowboys more on him later on and doug peterson the former head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, fired in disgrace last year, has essentially done what Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys has done. He's apparently watched tape and he's learned his lesson and da-da-da-da-da-da. Let's start with Brian Leftwich. I've been high on Brian Leftwich for about a year. And the reason why, and the reason, not even the reason, but I was just so weirded out when he didn't get as many job offers or interviews last season. He didn't get a single interview. I was just like, why is Dan Campbell getting a job? Why is Arthur Smith getting a job? Their team didn't win the Super Bowl. It's just like, apparently, you have to lose the Super Bowl to get an interview? Apparently, that's the, uh, you know, that's the qualification that you have to have on your resume. Not even go to a Super Bowl. Not win a Super Bowl. Just participate in the league and be mediocre, and people wonder why all these football teams stink. <clears throat> Regardless, I was shocked when Brian Leftwich didn't get an interview last year because I thought that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pivot from a no-risk-it, no-biscuit mentality to, hey, let's have a more patriotic scheme, things of that nature, essentially readjusting and not even readjusting but remaking the entire offense within you know uh within half the season is just insane 
And that's what they did. The play calling, the formations, the play design, I thought was just high-level, top-tier stuff. And I thought Brian, like anybody that can work with Tom Brady, hold on. There's a bug flying around. Anybody that can work with Tom Brady should get like a phone call. It's just like kind of like the same thing for with Peyton Manning. Just see what they're just see what they're about. See what they're about. Just see, you know, hey, like what what's this guy all about? Have to be pretty smart, pretty flexible, pretty hardworking to work with Peyton and Tom. Some of these guys like Adam Gates do not pan out at all, and Josh McDaniels. But it's worth and Bill Bill O'Brien, by the way, terrible. But it's worth a shot. It's worth. It's just like, how much can we learn from this guy? How much does this guy know? Like one of the questions, and I was gonna do this before I started the podcast. I literally just remember this. Like what I would, I was gonna write down questions that I would ask to these proverbial coaches, or these prospective coaches. If I was the GM, and one of those questions would be, "What's your philosophy on the modern, you know, on the modern day offense in the NFL? What's your philosophy on team building?" What do you think is the most important position in the NFL? And if essentially a prospective coach did not say quarterback is the most important position, I would have essentially been like, oh yeah, we can't have this guy on the team. But I was going to do that, but I completely forgot about it. But Brian is like one of those guys that I would, that I would think would get a little bit more consideration. I like him a lot. They've been riddled with injuries. This is Tampa. And they've really, even in the Saints game, for example, guys were getting open. He schemed players open. It wasn't just because they were talented and, you know, and Tom Brady. It was, he provides a lot of value for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think they won a Super Bowl without him. Controversial, I know, but very true. Don't think they won a Super Bowl without him. And I don't think the Patriots, or more specifically the Bucks, are anywhere near as good as they are. Especially if they were running um, uh, Bruce Arians' offense. And I love Bruce Arians. I'm like, I, I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have won anything without Brian Leftwich. Great job, Brian Leftwich. He starred in my journal when I saw that they would that they had requested an interview with him. I was like, oh yeah, it's it's gonna be him. It's going to be Kellen or it's going to be Doug. If it's not one of those things, they uh, they screwed the pooch. Let's talk about Kellen Moore. Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator. Really, really interesting, young, creative play caller, right? Really, really young, creative play caller. Interesting dynamics within his offense. Using a guard as a fullback is kind of different. It's kind of weird. To be honest with you. Using C.D. Lamb in so many different ways. Out of the backfield. In the slot. Out wide. You know, a lot. I was watching. I've rewatched the Cowboys game like three or four times. It's just pure joy for me. But when you go back and you watch the Cowboys versus the Washington football team again. You'll see that the Cowboys touchdowns were just wide open touchdowns. Dak Prescott. Bootleg out to the right. Ezekiel Elliott. Just, you know, just rolls out with them, uncovered, boom, touchdown Dallas, right? First touchdown of the game for the Dallas Cowboys. Offense, because the defense, they also got a touchdown. But we won't talk about Demarcus Lawrence's run back, because, it, like, I just want to focus on Kellen Moore's play calling, okay? Similar play, similar result, right? 
Dak Prescott bootleg out to the right. Dalton Schultz is now uncovered. Boom, Dak hits him, touchdown, Dallas. Dak Prescott, not a bootleg on the third touchdown, but just a straight drop back play action. Terrence Steele, the offensive tackle, leaks out. And then Dak hits him for a third touchdown. And all three of those touchdowns were just wide open. The final touchdown was Dak kind of making a little bit of Dak magic happen and throwing to Amari Cooper in the front pylon. Great job by Kellen Moore. Problem is, offense has been a little bit shaky at times. And the play calling has definitely been a part of that. But also, the play design has also improved as well. And they found kind of this weird magic. And I talked about it on Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't catch the podcast, talked about it on Sunday. Talked about how important it was in that Washington game to run the no-huddle offense. It completely discombobulated the Washington defense. They had no idea what was going on. Their communication was atrocious. Dallas took full advantage consistently and often. When Washington was trying to readjust, they couldn't sub in. They couldn't communicate very well. Players came back from COVID. Players were on COVID. So it's just like, how do we stop the Cowboys offense when we have no idea what they're running? They would run run plays. They would run quarterback draws. They would run running, maybe not quarterback draws, but draw plays with Zeke. They would run, you know, um, uh, plays under center. They would run plays in the gun. They would have five wide. They would have two by twos, three by ones, you know, three by two formations. Just every single formation that you can potentially have in the playbook, they would run a play out of in the no auto. And Washington is like, this is too hard to play defense. We'll just fight each other on the sideline instead of, you know, fighting the Dallas Cowboys. Now, you could definitely say that that's Dak Prescott. I talked about it once again on Sunday. He doesn't wear a wristband. I slapped my arm if you don't know what I was doing. Doesn't wear a wristband. Wears one of those athletic tapes. Writes the word faith on it, right? Doesn't need it. Doesn't need the wristband with all the plays on it. He's memorized the plays He's like a uh, he's he's like a human dictionary or a th- or a thesaurus. He's like Nardwar except for football plays. Dak Prescott doesn't need a wristband, okay? And you could also say, well, Kellen's a great coordinator because he's got a great quarterback. He's got a great offensive line. He's got a great wide receiver, great running back, great you know maybe not great good pretty pretty good tight end. You could say all that. You would be true. However, so does Brian Lefwich. Gronk, Tom, Mike Evans, Hall of Famer, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Hall of Famer. Leonard Fournette, who's hurt. Ronald Jones, pretty good back. They got good players. Let me sit down. point is we can be subjective all day i'm just a i'm i'm in the results business at this point because at the very least right when you're hiring a head coach if you're fine if you're hiring an oc you can kind of just you know say to yourself you know what if i give them x thing if i give kellen moore a great quarterback great receivers da 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 he can be a good or great offensive coordinator you know, there's times where it's just like Dan Campbell is a perfect example, right? I don't know what Dan Campbell is because Dan Campbell has never called a game 
as an offensive coordinator, excuse me. So I don't know if Dan Campbell actually is a good offensive coordinator as my microphone keeps on doing obnoxious things. I don't know if Dan Campbell's a good offensive coordinator because I don't, I haven't seen him offensive coordinate. He hasn't, or excuse me, coordinate an offense. Because he's just never done it before. Or at least I've never seen him do it before. He didn't do it with the Saints. And even if he was an offensive coordinator, guess who calls the plays and who installs the plays and designs the plays? That's Sean McVay. Or not Sean McVay, Sean Payton. Do your dance. Hit the Sean Payton. I don't know why I went back to Dan Campbell like eight times. I'm talking about Kellen Moore. Long story short, Kellen Moore, he's got the goods. He's got the stuff. When I saw him, I was like, that's the new Jags coordinator. If you want my honest opinion about it, if you want me to... if you, Owners do stupid things. This, to me, is an obvious hire, right? Brian Lefwich, Kellen Moore, Doug Peterson. Kellen Moore should be the favorite. Young, offensive-minded coordinator. Worked with Dak. Last three or four years. Can work with a young quarterback, right? Offensive-minded, which the Jags have not had in years. Urban Meyer is kind of a defensive guy. Doug Marone is like an offensive line coach and Tom Coughlin, I think, was like the GM slash head coach. I don't remember what it was. Doug Marone was like the offensive line guy. Offensive line coaches are kind of defensive guys. They're just like, we got to get the running back. We got to do all that stuff. And that's kind of who Doug Marone was. Regardless, I think Kellen Moore is is a prime candidate. He comes with flaws. Quite frankly put, I have no idea how he's going to hire a staff because he's only been in the business for a couple of years and his like he doesn't really have a lot of connections in the NFL to hire like a suitable and capable you know roster of coaches. So I'm kind of like I'm a little bit iffy on that. But you know he wants to be a head coach, and he he'll get he'll get some interviews. He'll probably get a job this this head coaching hiring cycle. But yeah, Kellen Kellen to me is more likely than not the guy, or Brian, or this next guy we're going to talk about, Doug Peterson. He was one of the first guys that I had heard had gotten an interview, or that was going to get an interview. He was like the first guy. Doug Peterson, formerly of the Eagles, currently of his couch because he does not have a job. He was the guy. And to me, when I heard him, I was just like, I heard Jim Caldwell. I heard him and I was just like, Jim doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because Jim Caldwell has kind of aged out of the NFL, meaning that he's just old. Meanwhile, it's just like, Doug, he's old and he hasn't really been in the NFL in years and I don't really know what his philosophy is on offense. I don't really know how he's going to build a team, things of that nature. I just don't know. But then I heard about Doug Peterson, and I was like, boom, that's your guy. That's the guy. There's like three guys. That's the guy. It's like, Kellen, that's the guy. Brian, that's the guy. Doug, that's the guy. Super Bowl with the Eagles. Terrible football team. Terrible football team. Terrible football organization. Dave Gettleman. Joke. 
But when I saw Doug Peterson on the short list of guys that they were going to bring in and Jim Caldwell as well, I was like, that's the guy, Doug Peterson. Super smart, offensive-minded coach. Every single time he works with a quarterback outside of Carson Wentz, they excel. See Jalen Hurts, his rookie year. See Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. I was like, that's the guy. Can work with Trevor Lawrence. Because at the end of the day, and the reason why I said and why I eliminated essentially all of the defensive coordinators is that you can't have a guy that's not going to work with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor is probably already beloved in the locker room because he wants to win. I've seen a lot of his sideline stuff, right? Some of the mic'd up portions of the season where they go in and they mic up players. Trevor's yelling, telling his offensive line, hey, we got we'll, we're still all right. We're still okay. He's hopeful. He's a, he's a voice of reason. He's a light on the team. He's not hopeless. He seems humble. The O-line seems to like him. I think he is liked within his football team. I think his voice, his opinion matters within the football team, and he plays the quarterback position, so you know that he's got some cachet because he's one of the most important positions on the football team. Just saying. But yes, those are my guys. Those are my three guys. I would be shocked if Doug Peterson, Kellen Moore, Brian Leftwich doesn't get the job. I would be shocked if those if those guys don't get it. I would be. Hold on. I just got that. That is, are they serious? Hold on. Hold on. I think I, okay. I just want to confirm some news. I do not want to say this without it being actually true. And I don't really know how much I'll talk about this. Yeah. Yep. It's confirmed. Wow. 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 You probably know what it is, but I'm just. John Madden just died. Wow. Wow. Don't really know how to react to that. So weird. I'll talk about this for a couple of minutes. Um, there was this documentary that came out about John Madden, I believe Fox did it on Christmas. The documentary detailing his life, things of that nature. You know, how he was a coach in the NFL. I think even like a player. Then he went, no, not a player. Then he went into the booth. I don't know. I'm just shocked. It just appeared. I'm watching Mississippi State versus Texas Tech. That's a weird... You're not a weird, but it's just... I don't know. I was just sudden. I don't know where we're to go from here. Okay, um... We'll keep it pushing. 
we'll keep it pushing. I have no idea what I just talked about. Was that going on? Oh, yeah, I was going on a rant about head coaching hirings. Let me continue then. Just talking about OCs, being head coaches, things of that nature, offensive-minded coaches. Oh, yeah, I was going on a rant and rave about how Trevor Lawrence is going to um, is going to command a lot of um, respect in the locker room because he's very respected. In, or not in the locker room, but in the head coaching process and why I don't think that a defensive-minded head coach will win or not win will get hired. Listen, man, offensive league, Quarterbacks are the most important position on the football field. Quarterbacks are one of the most reliant positions on the football field. It's obvious that they're going to go with an offensive-minded head coach. I would be shocked if they didn't announce within the next week or so Doug Peterson, Brian Leftwich, Kellen Moore being the, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The next head coach. Uh however many freaking coaches they have i don't i don't know but i would be shocked if they were like yeah we're just not going to announce it or we didn't come to a decision because once again right the interesting thing about this hiring cycle is that if you fire your head coach soon if you get it done soon you get first crack at the guys, right? At the guys that you want. You get your first crack at the uh, the coaches that you really, really want and potentially could hire before anyone and everyone else. So it's again imperative to be like, hey, are you like, are you sure you want to not fire Matt Nagy, Chicago? Because if you like one of these guys, one of these guys is potentially going to to be off the market. One of these guys is, is potentially going to be uh, taken or hired or whatever. And again, I would be shocked, shocked if Brian Leftwich, Kellen Moore, Doug Peterson did not get hired within the next couple of, uh, of days or really within the next couple of weeks. How about John Madden news? Oof, man. Goodness gracious. I don't really know what to say. I'm processing it weird. I just kind of wanted to get through that last part. Revolutionized broadcasting on Fox. Yeah. Super Bowl winning head coach with the Raiders. It's kind of like we haven't really seen him, except for this documentary, really. I haven't really seen him in a long time. Like A lot of people talk about Madden, the video game series. The reason why I'm not bringing that up because I hate Madden, the video game series. Don't play it anymore. But Which is why I was just like, I'm not going to mention it. But then I mentioned it, and then I was just like, I don't like it. It has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with Electronic Arts, a.k.a. EA. But, you know, I don't know. Kind of, kind of stunned. But, um, hey. I'm moving on. 
God, that was weird. Maybe not weird, but I was, I mean, I don't, I mean, I just, one of the legends of football just passed. I don't really know how I'm supposed to respond, so. I don't know. Everybody processes this stuff differently. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's just, let's move on. So, wanted to talk about this. Wanted to talk about, specifically, the Dallas Cowboys, okay? And we're going to open, you know, I wanted to open with the Cowboys, but then I was just like, eh, let's open with Jags, right? The reason why I'm going to talk about the Cowboys tonight is because the Cowboys are very, very interesting team. I think they're, I think they're a Super Bowl team. I think they can go to the Super Bowl. I think they can win the Super Bowl. I don't think that there's a more complete team in the NFL than the Cowboys. I'm kind of shocked and surprised that nobody is really talking about the Cowboys more. Hold on, let me look up. Who is this left tackle for Mississippi State? Who is it? I'm watching. Again, I'm watching football. It's Charlie Cross, right? Charlie Cross. Charles Cross. I'm watching Mississippi State, right? Did he opt out? Hold on. He better not have opted out. I don't think he did. So he's 6'7". What position does he play? Is he a guard? What position does he play? I'm not, I don't see him. Did he opt out? I don't know. I haven't seen this guy play. I think he's the left tackle, right? I cannot freaking tell. Did he opt out? He probably did. It's just like, why would he not opt out of the bowl, out of a bowl game, bro? It's a bowl game. Did he opt out? Ah, fuck, he did. I, I was, I was trying to. <sighs> I was trying to see if he was going to not opt out, but no, he did. So I'm not even watching a game that's worth watching. Sorry about that. Um, but I was watching the Cowboys, right? I was watching the Cowboys again, you know, over the last couple of days, watched them. We're going to talk about them. And I said earlier this month in December... Went all the way back to the start of the December, of December. I said, listen, guys, this month of December, specifically for the Cowboys, if you listen to the podcast, you know the saying, November, December, January, got to win, be a playoff team. I'm not going to terribly rehash it, but you know that I say that a lot. But for the Cowboys, I thought that it was a unique opportunity for them to get some momentum to carry over into the what? The playoffs. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Why is it so important to carry on and get momentum to go and carry into the playoffs? Well, faithful viewer, let me explain why. So Dallas, as I said at the beginning of December, I said Dallas has a really, really interesting stretch of football games. Dallas, at the beginning of December, had the Saints, then Washington, Giants, Washington this past weekend, Cardinals this Sunday, and then the Eagles to close out the season. And a lot of people, when they see that, they're going to be like, what does it matter? The Cowboys are going to steamroll all those football teams, and all those football teams, I think. 
colors, overrated football team, Dak Prescott, overrated quarterback. That's what a lot of people are saying. And I'm just like, that doesn't matter. The momentum matters. Some people are going to then say and be obnoxious and be like, no, I don't. You have to be 10 to teams that have 10 wins for like five weeks straight and you have to do it flawlessly and you have to blow people. No, no, you, no you don't. Let me help you out. The reason why I said that this really six game stretch for the Cowboys was so important is because this six game stretch is very similar to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a lot of ways. So last year, and I mentioned this at the beginning of December, last year, Tampa Bay had essentially four easy games. They came off the bye week in early December, and then they hit Vikings, Falcons, Lions, Falcons again. Are any of those teams good football teams? Let me just ask you a question. Let me just, are any of those teams good football teams? Last time I checked, no. But they hit on all four of those football teams on the way to the playoffs and they were able to gather momentum. They were able to integrate Antonio Brown into the offense. They were able to get Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski going and really establish their offense. And I said to myself, I was like, that's a unique opportunity that they had because they really didn't have a hard game in the final month of their regular season. And really, Dallas hasn't had a hard game in four weeks. They're about to have a Cardinals game on Sunday, but they didn't really have a hard game in the entirety of the month of December, and then the Cowboys, they could not only clinch their division because at that point, people were like, can the Cowboys win the division or not? They've lost three of four. Cowboys have been lossless in December. Cowboys are potentially about to go on a team that has little to no momentum right now and are about to play the Cardinals at home in front of Tens of thousands of people, potentially 100,000 people. I don't know if it's going to be a packed stadium like it was on Sunday. Cowboys are potentially going to go on a team that has had their own Mary of slumps. Their bevy of slumps. I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is going to be playing, but DeAndre Hopkins, a, a Kyler, excuse me, a DeAndre Hopkins-less Kyler Murray is kind of not Kyler Murray himself. It's like Superman trying to be Superman when he has kryptonite strapped to his chest. It's like, it's kind of hard to to do my job when I have kryptonite on my chest. It's kind of hard for Kyler to do his job when he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. So, I looked at the Cowboys' schedule in December this year, and I was just like, they have a pathway to the Super Bowl. And this was, by the way, just so we're clear, this was during the Cowboys' stretch of really, really terrible football games. This is like, you know, they've had a, a bad string of games. And let me show you something. Let me show you how weird the NFL works. Let me, I'm not saying that the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying they have a really, really good... They had, at the beginning of January, or December, excuse me, a really, really good opportunity to string together wins to be able to, you know, put together something that could potentially turn into what it is right now. And that is a... A lot of momentum. Let me show you something. Don't believe me. Don't believe me. Let me show you something. So, let's go back a year. Let's look at Tampa Bay, right? So, Tampa Bay, we go on 
let's start November 2nd, right? They play up against the Giants. Barely beat the Giants, right? 25-23. And this is November 2nd. The next week they go over to the Saints, or excuse me, the Saints come to town. When the Saints, when the Saints, when the Saints go marching in. Very weird how similarly parallel this is, right? They lose to the Saints 38-3, blowout. Very similar to how the Cowboys lost to the Broncos. Actually, let me check. It may have been around that time. It was November 8th when the Tampa Bay got blown out by the Saints. Let me show you something. Let me show you how eerily parallel this is. <clears throat> so the Cowboys, they lose the day before the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the um, to the Saints, right? They lose November 7th against the Broncos. Tampa lost November 8th against the Saints, right? So then the Cowboys, they go on to lose three of four, right? Against the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Raiders. Tampa, after the loss to the Saints, goes on to lose three of four, once, including the Saints game, obviously. They lost to the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs. They enter into December. And again, that four-game stretch coming out of a bye week, Vikings, Falcons, Lions, Falcons. Boom, swept them. Because of the regular season increase and because the Cowboys didn't come off a bye week, the Cowboys have six games instead of four games, right? Saints beat them. Washington beat them. Giants, Washington again, beat them twice, swept them. Now they're going to go up against their hardest game really in a long time in the Cardinals, and then they'll finish off the season in Philly against the Eagles. And then Dallas has the unique opportunity to generate so much momentum going into the next couple of, uh, of weeks, not only to be able to potentially take the one seed, but also to clear cut take the two seed. And it's not just that they beat these football teams. It's very similar to Tampa, right? Because Tampa, they didn't just beat these teams. They didn't just beat the Vikings. They beat them. They beat the brakes off some of these teams. 26-14 bucks. They didn't, they didn't beat the brakes off the Falcons. 31-27 bucks. Beat the brakes off the line. 47-7. Then they beat the brakes off the Falcons. 44-27. Cowboys, oops, sorry. Cowboys in the last couple of games, right? Saints 27 to 17. That was that really should have been like a blowout. They scored like 10 points, I think, in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Oh no, it was kind of it depends on your definition of close. Oh no, the Saints they scored like one final game inning touchdown when nobody cared. It was garbage time. Clear cut. 27 to 20. Cowboys, but that really should have been a blowout. Washington scored like all of their points within five minutes of the game inning. And by all of their points, let me show you. They scored 12 of their 20 in the last, like, five minutes of the game. Blowout. 21-6 against the Cowboys. Excuse me, against the Giants for the Cowboys. Obvious blowout. And then 56-14 to against Washington this past Sunday. All these games were blowouts, folks. Again, I'm not saying that the Cowboys are going to be the, the bucks of this. All I'm going to say is this. The Cowboys are my uh, my pick for the dark horse, dark horse Super Bowl contender, 
And uh, if they beat the Cardinals on Sunday, I'm going to pick them to potentially go to the Super Bowl and win it. Who is going to stop the Cowboys, right? Cowboys have probably one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Some of the best pass rush in the NFL. They have a, I just saw, I'm re-watching the game again because I'm not watching Mississippi State versus nameless, uh, uh, what is it? Nameless gray faces. That's what Mike Tomlin, that's what Mikey T says. Not going to watch nameless gray faces. But I'm watching the Trevon Diggs interception, his 11th, where for some stupid reason, the Washington football team dialed up a go route that was improperly thrown uh, to Terry McLaurin and Diggs picked his ass off. And I mean, it just, it was a terrible, 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 terrible throw. <clears throat> but a great interception by Trevon Diggs. But I mean, they have the number one corner. They have Micah. I saw, again, I've seen the game like three or four times now. Like the Micah Parsons just sack was just another casual run of the mill. Just, oh yeah, you know, Micah just got a sack. You know, it is what it is. The interception is just like, I saw I saw it live, saw the game live. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's not a good decision. I was just like, they're really going after Trevon. Trevon um, on the first play in phase, better position on the ball than Terry McLaurin. He just let Terry have the outside. Trevon's like, I'll let you have, I'll let you have the outside. You're not getting on the inside. He knew he had safety help over the top. And he's like, I'll let you have the outside. I'll I'll let you have um the boundary. The sideline will do all the work. And I'll just pick it off. And he obviously did. I mean, Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. I mean, they've been a Super Bowl contender. Their offense could potentially be one of the best in the NFL. Their defense is potentially one of the best in the NFL. It's all about momentum, folks. It's all about momentum. Cowboys got a lot of it. Cardinals really have none of it. The Green Bay Packers, you know, they're leading the conference right now, 12-3. and After the disastrous... I'm, You know what? Just to spite the Packers, I may pick the Vikings. I may pick the Vikings just to be like, yeah, I don't like the Packers. And I hope that they lose. But um, there's really not a lot here to say with the Vikings. It's just like, I mean, they barely lost to the Rams, but did they barely lose or did they score a bajillion points in garbage time? Kind of. Kind of. It's just like, I don't know. I may pick the Rams. We'll see. Anyways, Cowboys are a lot closer to a Super Bowl than you potentially think. I think they're going to, I think with the home, first and foremost, they're the two seed with the home field advantage. I got a cough. <coughs> Excuse me. With the home field advantage, potentially we could see them in the NFC championship game in Lambeau. But before that, in Dallas, in Dallas, wins in Dallas. I mean, I think it's going to I think they I think they've got it. They got a lot more work to do, but I think at the very least they freaking got the freaking you know, potentially the uh the NFC Championship game. 
especially if Dak freaking plays like he did on Sunday. I've talked about the Cowboys too much. Let's move on to this. I don't get Tua Tagovailoa slander. I'm done with it. I'm sick of it. I don't get Tua Tagovailoa slander. I saw the Monday night football game. Saw it. Loved it. It was a it was a really really great performance by Tua. I don't understand it. Can somebody explain to me why exactly Tua is on the hot seat and not um, the GM who still can't figure out the offensive line, the offensive coordinator who runs the football as if he has... And I remember writing notes about this game. I was just like, they're running the football like they have A-tier running backs. They have backups. I remember it just being like, oh yeah, Tua... Tua starts the drive, excuse me, on second and 11 or second and nine because Philip Lindsay and Duke Johnson only got one yard against the best run defense in the NFL. It's like they're just not even p- preparing for the Saints defense. They're just like mindlessly running into the Saints. And it's just like one of the best front sevens in the NFL. I don't, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. It was one of like the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I was just like, that's dumb. That's stupid. But then I saw pass protection broken down constantly, terrible play calling. I just didn't understand what the point of the Miami Dolphins offense was doing. It was just like, you know, we'll take two steps back, three steps forward, Tua on third and three, do it. Like, I remember I saw they run the Wildcat so many times. It was just like, like, why are we running the Wildcat? It, it, It barely did anything for the entirety of the game. And then it was just like, I remember on one play on like third and three, they had Jacoby Brissett out, who's not a better athlete than Tua. He doesn't have a bigger arm than Tua. And they had him roll out on a bootleg to the right. And I was just like, that's stuff that we can have Tua do on the left. What are we doing? I didn't understand it. What else did they do? Oh yeah, they ran a, didn't they run? Hold on, let me find it in my notes. Didn't they run? A freaking, yes, they did. They ran, and it's in my notes. They ran a third and 12 wildcat with Philip Lindsay and Tua wasn't even on the field. And it was like, it was second and 20 after like a penalty. And I was just like, so you guys just don't want to get the first down? I didn't understand it. It's like one of the dumbest things One of the dumbest play calls. Some of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's asinine. It's ridiculous. Where is the elite coaching on the offensive side of the football field for everybody that wants to tell me two is the problem? Where is it? Where is it? I... Liked Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame when he came out. Liam Eikenberg is terrible. He gives up a couple of sacks a game, and Tua has to scramble, has to run, has to avoid the pressure. Otherwise, sack. 
And that's what happened occasionally. But because two is a lefty and not a righty, the freaking pressure is not coming from his left side, or excuse me, the pressure that is coming from his left side, he can see clear as day, and he can adjust. Also, the offense is not fully integrated for a lefty at quarterback, by the way, as well as their right tackle just sometimes just, I mean, is, is half asleep in a coma. Just doesn't block guys. Guys, Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan, the boys, four sacks against Toa, and then one by like two scores. I'm just saying, can this Tua slander just stop? Can it just stop? Can we get him another offensive lineman? Please. Can we get him another wide receiver? Please. Devontae Parker used to like him. Now I don't. I don't know what's going on. Why did the Dolphins throw Tua under the bus? Why did the players not give him the captain C? He's one of the most important freaking teammates on the team. And I didn't want to give him the captain C. I'm pissed up. Back to attack by low. I don't get it. I don't get it. Doesn't make any sense. I didn't understand it. Oh my god. It was, it was one of the dumbest conversations I think I've ever... Not even conversations, but just some of the dumbest things I've ever seen, you know, <clears throat> this year. Some of the worst conversations that have been had this year were about to attack Vailoa. My voice is cracking. Let me take a swig of water. Hold on. Hold on. That's like nothing. That was like a little drop. Hold on. That was an empty water bottle. Hold on. Okay. Sorry about that. <clears throat> but yeah, as I, as I was watching to a play, I was shocked at how much he had to overcome. Bad play calling, bad offensive line, mediocre wide receiving core outside of Jalen Waddle, who is a stud. Admittedly a stud. Terrible running game. Defense did its job against Ian Book. Swamped him. Molly whopped him. Beyond that, really not a lot much else to say about the um <clears throat> about the um what is it? About the Dolphins. I didn't know that there isn't any Thursday night football. By the way. I didn't realize that at all. I thought there was going to be Thursday Night Football. What am I going to do with my Thursdays now? NFL football. I'm like, I'm on the Google schedule, and it's just like I don't see any Thursday Night Football games. Yeah, I, I don't have Thursday Night Football. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm not, like, sad that it's gone, but I'm not, like, necessarily excited that it's gone. Just, like, I, I like watching a lot of football. Okay. <clears throat> Anyways. What else? So, Dolphins, joke. Let me talk about this one more time. Okay? This will be... I don't like beating a dead horse. I don't like beating a dead horse over and over and over again. 
Um, so this will be the final time that I take out my gigantic wooden stick and beat the dead horse once again. Uh, the media in Detroit talking about how draft picks don't matter coming off of a loss against the Atlanta Falcons where they go in and they were saying, well, we don't care about draft picks, just went out. And then they couldn't beat the Falcons. And they were like, look at what we're doing with all of these undrafted free agents. Um, going 2-12-1. and 12 and one. Really, it should be 2 and freaking 13 if Steelers, if the Steelers had done anything against you guys. Let's just be honest about it. Let's just be honest. I was on a Detroit media channel, Wood Art Sports. I actually like them. I don't like their takes. I don't like all of their takes. And I don't like their take, especially and specifically on draft. I'm like, leave, listen, if you're not a draft guy, I'm a draft guy. I'm a draft guy. Leave the drafting to me, okay? You're not a draft guy. You don't know how it works. You don't understand draft priority. You don't understand draft positions. If you don't understand any of that stuff, don't talk about it. If you've never watched some of these guys play, if you've never actually evaluated play, leave the evaluation, leave the drafting to a guy like me. I'll take care of ya. Because you're putting out bad information. Let me show ya. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here we go. So, once again, they're having a conversation. I'll clue you in. I'll help you out. Having another conversation about how, once again, we don't need the number one overall pick, 24. We don't need the number one overall pick. We like. Who we like? We like. We like Brad Holmes, and we like all of our undrafted free agent players that have apparently been studs all year, but then at the exact same time, we're like 2-12, and 12 and we really haven't won anything, and we're not a contender within our own division, and we always get mollywhopped by our own division as well, and we really have been in some football games that we really shouldn't have been in, but then at the exact same time, we have the Steelers game where we don't even freaking play like a real NFL football team, and that we play like an expansion team, and that all of our players as well have great, have some of them have great promise and great talent like Panay Sewell. But then at the exact same time, the offensive line sometimes isn't playing very well. We can't reestablish the run. What is what is the the yardage on DeAndre Swift? Can I just can we just take a peek? Just take a peek. So. He has 140 carries, 555 yards, four tutties, 4.0 yards per carry. So he's like an okay running back. He's all right. He's all right. Is he great? No. Is he better than Jonathan Taylor, who he was drafted over? Obviously not. He's suitable. He's okay. Like, give him another year or two, and he'll probably be like average to below average and by the way if you have no idea how good Detroit's offensive line is shockingly good one of the best centers in the NFL and Frank Ragnow Panay Sewell who's a really really good left tackle or right tackle whatever whenever they play him at whatever position and then they have um Taylor Decker or whatever his name is their left tackle when he's not hurt they have good players 
four yards per carry? Let me show you something. Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott in relation to DeAndre Swift. Yeah, so the Cowboys offensive line has been hurt all year. It's gone through COVID. It's gone through consistent inconsistencies. They have put in guys that have not played well, and then they've put in guys that have played average and then not average, and then the fluctuation. Zach Martin has had one of the worst games I've ever seen of his entire career against Chris Jones. Offensive line has not played great. Zeke has 50 more carries, 300, almost 400 more yards, and six more touchdowns than DeAndre Swift. He is incomparably a better running back than DeAndre Swift. Some people will give me, well, the, well, he's Ezekiel Elliott. He's supposed to be better. And it's just like, he's a older, injured Zeke, or an Ezekiel Elliott more specifically. Older version of Ezekiel Elliott. And it's just like, oh yeah. He's not supposed to be playing better than DeAndre Swift, and he is. Let's play the clip with the guys from Detroit talking about how we don't care about where we are drafted or drafting. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep winning. Keep playing hard-nosed football. Build that confidence there, and then get your your piece. Like top ten talent in that, like in the NFL draft, like they're going to contribute. There's no doubt about that. Top ten picks in the NFL contribute. There's no doubt about it. It's funny. Because wasn't it like a year ago that they drafted Jeff Okuda? It's funny. It's funny how that one works. He's not even the third... He's not even the second best corner in that in that draft. Like, it's obviously Trevon. And then... Like, if Trevon Diggs didn't get so many interceptions and if he gave up so many yards, like, we would have a problem. But he doesn't. He does get a bajillion turnovers. But then, shockingly enough... A.J. Terrell, the corner out of Clemson who got just destroyed by Justin Jefferson. That guy's awesome. He's turned into a really awesome pro. And yeah, way too many people looked at that only, looked at that game against LSU and, and was like, yeah, he's he's that. That's who, Ju- that's who A.J. Terrell is. And I kind of did as well. I fell prey to it. In reality, A.J. Terrell is like one of the best or one of the better young corners in the NFL who can actually cover at a pretty decent rate. Just saying. But yeah, you know, top 10 picks, they don't fail their guaranteed hits. No doubt about it, right? Just like Jeff Okuda, bro. Come on, bro. Literally, this happened last year. How can you forget that? Regardless, let's continue forward. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, you know, I, I was on that bandwagon. I'm not gonna lie. Like last year, my podcast out of the basement. I was big on like, let's get the, the first. You know, let's get the highest pick we can get. Let's get the highest pick we can get. 
I don't feel that way anymore, man. Like Brad Holmes has truly proven to me that I can trust him, and no matter where we fall, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of uh, of Kyle Hamilton. You, you you guys see me on Twitter if you already follow me on. Uh, okay, so let's rewind and then break some of this stuff down. So he's a big proponent of Brad of Brad Hamilton, and again, it's just like guys, one draft. I'm not saying Brad Holmes, not Brad Hamilton, Brad Holmes, the GM of the Detroit Lions. Not saying Brad Holmes is a terrible GM. I'm just saying, guys, it's one draft. You guys are feeling yourself way too much. One draft. One. One. You guys are 2-12. and 12. And you're just like, yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't care about, I don't care about the draft. I trust Brad Holmes. It's just like, what, like, what trust? What trust? Just like you're the metaphor where it's just like, bro, I, I can set like, you're get, like, you have, I know Brad Holmes is a good GM or not. I know he's a good GM. I know he has the potential to be a good GM, but he just hasn't put pen to paper and actually freaking done it. And it's just like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about whatsoever. None whatsoever. Why is he a good GM? Oh, they play hard, 24. Oh, the players, they they do this, they do that. It's just like, dude, I want to strangle some of these Detroit Lions fans. It's just like, dude, if I, let me pull up Detroit's schedule here. Dude, if I put Detroit against a real NFL football team, dude, like, and not Atlanta, you guys would get freaking annihilated, dude. You guys would get freaking destroyed. You guys get destroyed by the Packers all the time. Are you guys kidding me? Like I talked about it. Seven, and this is before they went to two and 12. Seven of their 11 losses were blowouts. You guys get smoked all the time. Are you kidding me? You guys got destroyed three weeks ago by the Denver Broncos. What? You guys lost to a team that is horrifyingly bad in Atlanta. Like, every team has Atlanta's goats. The goat. The Cowboys did. The Eagles did at game one. The Eagles damn knew, near, damn knew, excuse me, knew, damn it, they knew all of their plays. They were able to count everything. It was ridiculous. Absurdity. Absurdity. I trust Brad Holmes to go two and 12. Let's continue. Let's continue. Proven to me that I can trust him and no matter where we fall. You know, I, I, I'm a big proponent of uh, of Kyle Hamilton. You, you, Pause. You... Why? Why are you a big proponent of Kyle Hamilton? I hate it whenever people are like, I like Kyle Hamilton. I like Kyle Hamilton. He's the best safety in the draft. 24. I got to get the best safety in the draft. Big proponent of Kyle Hamilton here. I like Kyle Hamilton. I want Kyle Hamilton for the Detroit Lions. Question. Why? He's the best free safety in the in the uh, in the in the draft twenty four. You gotta get a free safety. You gotta have somebody to cover your back end. Who's the best safety in the NFL? Twenty four. It's Tyron. Excuse me. Let me be clear. Who's the best deep safety in the NFL? Well, twenty four. It's Tyron Matthew. He's a deep safety. Wrong. He's a strong safety. Try again. Well, twenty four. It's a it's a, it's Jabal Adams. Wrong. He's a strong safety again. They're playing him in an opposition. 
I think it's Kevin Byard. I think. And even he kind of, he, even he kind of fluctuates. I think it's Kevin Byard. I haven't watched like too much of the Titans. Point being, the free safety position, which is the position that Kyle Hamilton plays, is not the most valued position in the NFL. You should not reach for one. You should not get one because they're just going to be standing in the back, just doing nothing, standing there, looking as freaking pass after pass gets completed or not in a span of 10 yards or less. 15 yards or less. I don't get it. I don't get it. But 24, I'm a big component of uh, a proponent of Kyle Hamilton. How does he stop Devontae Adams? How does he stop him? You know, I always say this. You know, because people have very insular attitudes towards football. They're like, well, 24, my team can't run the football. So we draft Nazi Harris instead of getting an offense alignment or a quarterback, which obviously Pittsburgh needs both. We need a running back. Instead of, because we need a running back because we have no rushing yards. And it's just like, you do, just get a better offensive line. James Conner came alive because your offensive line sucked. James Conner is an awesome Cardinal now. Twenty four, twenty four. I'm, I'm. A fan of X team and we need X thing. And it's just like, no, you don't. Listen to me. Listen to me. Hey, listen to me. Okay. If you're a Detroit Lion fan, you don't need a free safety. If you're a Detroit Lion fan, you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback. Why aren't you making phone calls to get in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes? Probably can't get Aaron Rodgers, but make a phone call just to confirm. Just to confirm. Just to see what's like. Just, just to make sure. Just to confirm. Need some defensive help. Need secondary help. Need as much help as you can get. Why weren't you in the C.J. Henderson sweepstakes or the Safan Gilmore sweepstakes? Guys need a corner. Love a Fatu Melifanu, who is, they've nicknamed Ify because his name is too hard to pronounce and it's too long. Just saying. But let's get a safety instead. What does that do for you? Again, how does that stop anyone within your division? How does that stop anyone within your division? This isn't 1977 where the only usage for passing was to throw 30-yard passes. This is 2020, bro. Or 2021, technically. Where it's just like every pass now is for five yards. Like every single team is running some type of variation or offset version of the West Coast offense Mixed in with like the spread offense concepts as well. It's just like everybody's running that style. Nobody has, nobody is like trying to attack into a deep safety, bro. So why are you going to get one? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Is that it for that part? Or I think there's more. We'll see. You guys see me on Twitter. If you aren't already follow me on uh, Speakeasy Sports underscore. But I'm a big proponent of, of Kyle Hamilton. Like that's the guy that I want for sure, for sure. But like, why, if- why, 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 why? For sure, you want him for sure, for sure. 
Why? Tell me why. What are his attributes? What are his what are his um what are his positives as a football player and his negatives? What is he great at? What is he bad at? What is he good at? How does he impact Notre Dame's defense and how offenses attack in a Notre Dame's defense? Why do you like this player? I feel like you like this player because you've been told that he's the best free safety in the draft and a lot of people for some weird reason value the free safety position even though the NFL currently does not evidenced by how little talk and conversation there is around the uh, the free safety position. Javon Holland is a awesome safety. The Miami safety number eight. He's a rookie out of Oregon. Awesome safety but he comes down to make plays and he also drops back in coverage. Do you want to know why he does all that stuff? Because he's a freaking strong safety, non-free safety. Unpause by me. And not my music. I'm paused. Not, I'm, I'm cool with like whoever we take. I don't care where we fall. Uh, you know, I, I'm confident that this guy's going to make the right pick. You look at the, the rookies that we have this year. Again, I touched on them a little bit earlier, but Penny Sewell with the first overall pick, um, our first overall pick, uh, Levi Anzaruke, uh, Lee McNeil, if he, if we haven't seen much of, because he's kind of been banged up, but we've seen him in moments where he's guarding, you know, some of the league's best and Devontae Adams. Hold on, I can't hear anything. My air conditioning is blasting right now, and I super low. Hold on, just like literally when he just starts to get into the monologue, I literally can't hear anything that he's saying. Hold on. <clears throat> All right, here we go. We haven't seen much of because he's kind of been banged up, but we've seen him in moments where he's guarding, you know, some of the league's best and Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers game before going down. And, you know, going into that halftime, we had the lead, and that means our defense was playing very well. And, you know, part of that was iffy starting at cornerback that day. Yes, ultimately, Devontae got him on a play, but that's Devontae freaking Adams and Aaron freaking Rodgers. Like, that's going to happen. Hold on. I, like, my air conditioning, I, I, I just freaking turned it off, and it's still going. It's just like, bro, I can't hear. I can't hear anything. I had to, like, boost it, and I still can barely hear anything. Hold on. I'm just going to have to wait for it to now just to freaking stop. There we go. Okay, here we go. Um, Derek Barnes, a six-round pick, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Like, that's – he had a sack yesterday, and, and he had the green dot last week, if I'm not mistaken, too. Like, just the value that this guy Brad Holmes is bringing. And even – like, the pick does not matter because we're getting these guys in the, in the UDFAs, too. You know what I'm saying? Jerry Jacobs, fire. Like, what yeah. – like, oh my god. Oh my god. I hate these people. I hate. I hate these people. I hate these people so much. I hate these people. I hate these people so much. I hate these people so much. Oh god. Let me show you something. Jerry Jacobs, the guy that he's talking about. I'm not a big uh, proponent of PFF, but as you may know, I don't really watch a whole bunch of bad football anymore at this time of the season. Jerry Jacobs, he grades out. It's like a 64.7 overall corner, which is like a barely above average corner. But if I do get a Detroit Lions game, I'll, um, I'll look out for 39. That's who Jerry Jacobs' number is. That's what his number is. Just, like, I just, you guys, you guys do realize that you guys aren't winning any football games, right? 
Like, we, we do understand this, right? We get this? There's no reason for you to be like, yeah, draft position doesn't matter when you aren't winning any football games. You guys do realize this, right? Like, apparently not, because... Oh, once again, we're having it... We're freaking... Have, we have to have this conversation again. One more clip, and then we're going to stop talking about this, and then we'll go over the individual games here. Uh, just all the talent this guy is able to find, I don't care where we fall in the draft. Is there one guy in the draft, though, that, like, that you want, that you, that you, like, for sure? No, I mean, not part – I'm, like, I've. it's weird. As a Lions fan, like I said, like – I've kind of changed, like, just watching the way the years develop. I've completely changed how I kind of look at it. It's like there's a lot of pieces this team needs, right? It's just, again, add pieces that are going to make a difference. But um, there's not, like, one guy – because, like, we've seen in years past, like, you go back through the even the number one picks. Like, everyone wanted Trevor Lawrence last year. Like, oh, my God, could you get Trevor Lawrence? Now you got people already calling that guy a bust this year. You That's got, like, crazy. Baker Mayfield, 2018, was taken number one overall. I – I wouldn't really want Baker Mayfield as, as my QB. And Browns fans might be upset about that. I get that you're a QB, but like he just served up four interceptions. That's something he's kind of dealt with so far in, in the early stages. This is true. The stuff that he's talking about with Baker Mayfield is true. Of his career, turning the ball over. Um, Jadavion Clowney was a number one overall pick. He's bounced Also around. true. Also true what he's saying right now. Team to team. Uh, Jameis Winston, 2015. Also true. Team. Like, there's a lot of... like. There's, I, I'm done kind of getting hellbent on the names that a lot of media and a lot of fans that get stuck on. Like, that's for me, it's just like, okay, there's a reason that guys get paid to be scouts, and a reason why Brad Holmes has been so successful that he is, is because there's a lot of stuff that we don't see as just normal sports fans that these guys are noticing. So, for me, it's like a renew, like refreshing for me. Cause I'm not like I'm not like oh we got to make sure we get this pick so we can get this person like I was I loved the Jeff Okuda pick at the time when it happened I'm not afraid to admit that like I was, oh Jeff Okuda has he really turned out like, yeah he's been injured and I'm um, not gonna sit there and knock him but no like that there's there's other guys that you could have taken looking back now so for me it's just like just being open minded that that's honestly it's hard to do as a Lions fan but that mm -hmm. that's just where my head's at no yeah I think I think you hit it right in the all right that's final. <laughs> clip that I will play it went on for way too long I think like the only part that I was supposed to have was like I don't care where we fall as a team and I'm like well you kind of should because you guys are <clears throat> excuse me are capable and able of getting actual like actual football players I guess I don't know What? They're already making 2020, 2022 season predictions. I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. But then they just say dumb stuff like this. They said, oh my, we're going to spend some time on this. But let me just address the draft. Let me just address the draft and why it's very important to be a, um, a high picking team. So the Lions are 212. And one, the Houston Texans are two games behind them. Lions, luckily, will be the number two seed, okay? So, more likely than not, they'll probably draft 
a high um, a high ranking player, and they'll probably be able to turn that high ranking player into you know like like something positive, like you know like Aiden Hutchinson or Kavion Thibodeau or whomever, right? That's a positive, okay? And yes, Brad Holmes is a very very good evaluator of talent, things of that nature, but. You want options. Trading down could also be an option, et cetera, et cetera. They're just lucky that they stink so badly that they, even if they went out and Houston loses, they could still be in the mix for the top three to top two. But if they're in the top three, then obviously that could potentially put in jeopardy uh, one of the pass rushers that they want because they want a pass rusher. They want a quarterback. They want a wide receiver. We'll see what happens. But, oh, God, I'm just... See what I have to deal with, right? The next thing we're going to talk about is that they're already saying they're going to beat teams while they're 2-12-1. And it's just like, what? What? I haven't watched this. This literally just got uploaded, like, literally right now. Oh, my God. Please. Please don't be, please be clickbait. Please, please, dear God, be clickbait. And we'll watch a little bit of this. We probably won't watch the entirety of it, but hold on. So their schedule for right now, I already know that they're going up again. Like, they shouldn't be talking. Hold on, pause. They shouldn't be talking shit, okay? Should not be talking shit. Oh my God, they're they're not going to win like any games next year. They're going to be bad next year. They go up against the AFC East and the NFC East. Like maybe you beat Washington. Maybe you beat the Giants. Maybe you beat the Jets. They also go up against Seattle, Carolina, and the Jags. Depending on Russell Wilson and if he's there or not. Maybe Carolina. Maybe maybe the Jags. They probably get swept again or only pick up one game in their division. You're probably going to go 0-3 in the NFC East, potentially. And then the same thing will probably happen in the AFC East. What? I'm like, please, please. Like, the the title, not the title, but like, some of the text in the thumbnail was, I'm going to cut off my pinky toe if we lose against this team. And I'm like, What? Now looking at the schedule, I'm I'm even more stupefied. Let's, like, uh, let's get started. I, I want at least five wins, and I'm just saying that is out loud. I don't five care. wins. You want five wins? Where? Where? Maybe one win in your division. The NFC East may drop one game. The AFC East may drop one game. May, they're not dropping two games as a divisional, as your divisional opponents this year. And then you may pick up a game against Seattle if Seattle doesn't have Russell Wilson. And then you're probably, potentially, maybe going to pick up a game against Carolina if they're as dysfunctional at quarterback next year. And depending on who the Jacksonville Jaguars have, the Jacksonville Jaguars may be a better coach team than you this time next year. What are you talking about? You want five wins. What? Who we're playing? Like I, I, I need to see five wins this you year. You need to see five wins. You need.
need to see an insane, you need to go to an insane asylum. You think you're winning five wins, five games next year. Been brutal, man. Like, you know, deep, talking football in general is like some, some of the most fun stuff to talk about when you're talking sports. It's, it, I mean, we, we do this stuff statistically, you know, on the social media on YouTube and, and, you know, Twitter and stuff like that. And, you know, generally football does the biggest numbers, but the Detroit Lions this year with only a two win season have made it very, very hard to continue to talk football without saying the same exhausting things like, Hey, this team needs help. Yeah. Hey, this team needs talent. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I need, I need some wins next year, man. I, I need something to talk about. I need to be excited. Um, the three random games we were talking I, I thought, about, well, I, I learned no, 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 yesterday stop, the stop, reason why that happened. Stop, stop, stop! Isn't five wins guaranteed with Brad, with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and all these guys? Aren't they guaranteed? Like, isn't it? I, I thought he was a master at being able to utilize undrafted free you need five wins i thought you just needed patience i where's the faith one day you're saying i got faith the next day you're like i need five wins bro like okay okay well i need to be excited um the three random games we were talking about i, I learned yesterday the reason why that happens is those are actually the last place teams and and you know the following divisions so that's why we play the jags uh the seahawks and the panthers you know they're gonna finish last and south and the AFC West and, and the AFC South or whatever. But those are three wins I could see. I, you know, this Those are three wins? Those are three wins. And again, I said potentially, depending on if certain things happen, maybe you get a couple of those. But you're not going to get all three of those. Come on. Come on, bro. Talks might actually be without Russell Wilson next year. The Panthers... I'm not completely sold on them. Um, I know they've had some, you know, some injury issues as well. Let me let me put it to you like this: the Panthers are a better team than the Lions. I am not. I'm obviously not a fan of Matt Rule. Obviously not. But they can easily beat the Detroit Lions just off of pure talent. I said, I said, like literally when Dan Campbell got hired, I was like, I di completely disagree with the hire. But I'm smart enough to recognize that he's going to need at least like three years, maybe four, for Detroit to even be anywhere near a playoff team. And some people may say to me, well, 24, don't you think five wins is like, you know, acceptable for his team? Right now, based upon the schedule, I would say no. I would say three wins, dude. And then maybe next year it's like seven, maybe seven, depending on the schedule. Because then you're going to go up against... They play up against the NFC West this year. You're going to go up against the NFC South. I could see seven wins. And then hopefully in his fourth year. But no, you're not going to win five wins next year. Come on, bro. You know, the starting quarterback. And they don't really know what they got going on there. But uh, the Jags, we just have to beat them, man. They're just, they're... just have to beat them. And again, what was our conversation almost an hour and a half ago? It was about the candidates that are up for a head coaching job next year. And I rattled off three names, Brian Leftwich, Kellen Moore, Doug Peterson. I would be shocked if, if, if those three guys aren't hired, I'm going to freak. My head is going to explode and shoot to the moon like a bottle rocket in a cartoon if that happens, if none of those three guys get hired. Jacksonville has really, really good players. Do not sleep on Jacksonville. Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, Chenault has taken kind of like a slump. Um, the tight end Darnold or what's his name? It's damn Arnold or something like that. I forgot or Sarnold or I, I don't know what his name is, but him, the tight end 
is like, okay, they have good players. They can beat Detroit. Stop it. Especially if they have a good coach. Stop it. Detroit Lions at the AFC. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're, they're also at the bottom of the barrel. And I just, I need that. Another hot topic that we're maybe discussing later is I might have Jim Caldwell at the head coaching position in that game too. Yeah, and we'll <laughs> get into that in our next segment. But um, kind of reeling it back just a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll kind of came out and said that Seattle needs – they don't need – they kind of took what – Okay, let me fast forward through some of this stuff. Really bowed over too well. Mm -hmm. uh, Where are the other two wins going to come from? And Retool seems to be that name. But just um, sexier. Seattle needs a lot of help, and for them – but you know they traded for Jamal. I'm just fast forwarding. I, I mean that would be a, a bold prediction. I think for any of either the Washington football Yo. team or oh my god, one like Woodard Sports is the sports network that I'm getting this from. One fan just said about the schedule. One fan, this is how delusional they are. One fan just said they're they're this is a nine and eight win team easily, easily, which would put them borderline in the playoffs if not in the playoffs this year a nine and eight win team would probably put you in the playoffs easily easily or the detroit lions what dispensary are they visiting can we get them as a sponsor <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. 11 I, I just see five for sure i see seattle as is winnable jacksonville winnable new york giants winnable uh, the washington football team winnable and then the I agree about the Giants. I disagree about Washington. I think Washington is a better football team that's been ravaged by injuries and COVID. And um, he's probably saying that because he just saw the ass whooping that Dallas put up against Washington. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Hold on. Washington beat Seattle. Not Seattle. Uh, the Bucks this year, by the way. Just, just so we're, uh, just so we're clear on that. Just in case if people forgot, which I know they did. Continuing. Winnable. What about the Chicago Bears? Dude, I'm super biased when it comes to that. I hate the Bears more than I – I'm just going to have to refrain myself from saying swear words. Ever since the, the Calvin Johnson no-catch, it's just – it's after the Bears for life. Yeah, I, I think for me I'm setting the win mark at six. You got to yeah. get at least six wins next. What? I'm not even going to overreact. I'm not even going to, like, scream. I'm not going to yell. Bro, you think you're going to win six games next year? Hey, man. Some of this stuff, you actually cannot make up. Six? Six wins? Oh, my God. I just... Let's let's try and get this over with. Like, let's just try and get this over with. Oh my gosh! Year, um, you're looking like you get get two wins this year, and you should add a few pieces. You should add a top tier draft pick. Um, you have a lot of you have another first round draft pick that should be able to come in and contribute right away too. Uh, and a lot of these games they already lost this year were in like within a one score game. Like they had their opportunities. Uh, and I know I touched on it yesterday in the show. Like you could have. Uh, you could have won a few of these games that didn't swing your way. You could have won the Baltimore game. Like you could have honestly been at that six-win mark this year, had a few plays change for your favor. So, 
also could have and should have lost more games. Let's just be honest. Should have lost the Steelers game. Really shouldn't have even beaten the Cardinals if the Cardinals didn't freaking do what they did. I, I mean, I don't even... I That, that win still disgusts me. So it's like we can play both sides of the aisle. We can be on both sides of the aisle here. It's just like you guys realistically should have lost more games. But continuing forward. For me, just looking at that schedule now, uh, it's definitely not easy with the Buffalo Bills, and you've seen what the Patriots have done on the de defensive side of the ball. Uh, Mac Jones seems to be fit fitting into that system uh, perfectly, like Bill Belichick and a lot of people thought would happen. Uh, so I, I don't like seeing that, but I always feel like the Lions, for the most part, besides maybe the Cowboys, have matched up pretty well against the NFC I can't. My garage is open like twice. I can't hear. I couldn't hear for like two seconds. That would happen. Uh, so I, I don't like seeing that, but I always feel like the Lions, for the most part, besides maybe the Cowboys, have matched up pretty well against the NFC East. Uh, we've seen at times they beat the uh, beat the Eagles. Uh, we've seen them beat the Washington football team. We've seen them beat. Um, We've seen them beat the Giants. The Giants are, and a lot of these teams have question marks that we're going to talk about. Let me just fact check that really, really quickly. I'm not saying that he's wrong. I just want to, just want to, because every single team plays up against every, like they play up against every single division, right? In their conference. How the NFL works is that you have, like based upon where you ranked in your division, determines who you'll play against next year divisionally, right? So I'm just like, I just want to check and see. I like Detroit this year. How'd you favor? Let's just see against the NFC East. Who did you play against? Played up against the Eagles. You lost against the Eagles. What about last year? Who did you play up against? You guys played. Who did you play up against? Trying to find it here. Played up against Washington. Hmm. Beat Washington. We'll go back five years. So, 1-1. One, one, Eagles. Oh, you beat the Eagles in 2019. 2-1. Two, Played up against the NFC East. The division in 2018. So, you lost against the Cowboys. You... Where is it? Lost the Cowboys... Oh, no, you only played up against the Cowboys, it looks like. In 2018, right? Yeah. You only played up against the Cowboys, and you lost to the Cowboys, so now you're 500. And then you beat the Giants. You did play up against the NFC East in 2017. They should have played up against the, them in 2019, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. I don't know why I didn't... Because I'm like, I know, I know the Cowboys played up against... The entirety of that division. So, okay. So, yeah. They, I mean, they got their asses whooped. They, I don't know. They, they won 500 in 2018 or 2019. They won against Philly and the Giants, but they lost against the Cowboys and the Washington football team. And then in 2018, they lost to the Cowboys. And then in 2017, who did you lose to? And these aren't even good teams. Like some of the some of these teams that they're losing to are like literally bottom of the barrel when it comes to the division. Like the Eli Manning 2017 New York Giants that you beat, and then finally going all the way back to 2016, 
Didn't they play? Okay, they played up against Washington. So they barely have a winning record against the uh, the NFC East. And keep in mind, this is when Detroit is like 500. Or not 500, but like the worst team in their division. So they will like literally play up against the worst of the NFC East. And it was a lot of beating up on Washington when Washington sucked. But when Washington was good, they actually beat them still. But we'll see what happens. A little bit later in the show so um i i can't be satisfied with anything less than six I, I think the morning show touched on it this morning you know they compared uh they talked about uh jim schwartz's first few years here mm-hmm. and he came in went w- was a head coach during um matt stafford's rookie season i think they had two wins his rookie year if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong um the following year i believe he took it to four wins and then by the third win or third season he took it to ten and six uh, and had you in a wild card spot. So, uh, perfect example of what I'm talking about. Okay. What he just said was like a perfect example of why I give coaches three years. Cause I think he was talking about Jim Swartz or Jeff Swartz. One of the, uh, the former Detroit Lions head coaches, defensive coordinator for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. But it's the perfect example of why I'm just like, yeah, Detroit, not even Detroit, but give a head coach three years. But I also love the hypocrisy of him being like, yeah, we're going to say that Dan Campbell should win six games. But at the exact same time, we're also going to mention how Jeff Swartz or Jim Swartz, whatever his name was, won only four games in his second year. I'd be surprised if they won four games next year as well. Um, I, I think realistically, uh, Jared Goff has proven that he can win football games at least. Then. What? He's won... One first and foremost, everybody's putting way too much stock in the Cardinals game. You beat a great team on a bad day for them. Okay. Anybody can do that in the NFL. It's kind of required. Okay. Way too much stock is going into that game. Number one, number two, that game won't happen consistently. And Jared Goff has played terrible this year. Just like, I love him saying he, he proves, he said, um, Jared Goff proved that he could win games. And it's just like, he's literally only won two games. And if the Cardinals, once again, actually played like the Cardinals, you guys would have gotten smoked. Just some food for thought. Let's continue forward. Later down the stretch this year, um, we've seen him win football games in um, in L.A. So I don't see him going anywhere. So you have to expect that having a healthy team around him and a healthy offensive line, uh, a healthy Swift, a healthy Hawk, like this should be a team that I think should compete pretty regularly next year. You know how our guy Big Cat has has a pinky team every year that they win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll chop that pinky off. Is there a is there a pinky team you'd pick out of this list that we're will for sure beat and stay out of the NFC North? Let's make it fun. I, I'm I'm with Alex on that one. Giants. The Giants. Yeah. So Alex, if if, if the Giants beat the Detroit Lions, we you cut off your pinky. Would you be willing to make that bet? Uh, just a tip. just a tip. Just a tip. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, you guys are. Hey, I'm cutting that clip, and it's 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 cementing itself in the social media. Now, everyone on YouTube too. I want you guys to remember that too. This, the Detroit Lions lose the New York Giants. No, who's who's your team? Oh man, um, I didn't want to cut my pink. I want to cut your guys' pinkies off, not mine. You're the one who brought the topic to the table, brother. For sure. Um, if I'm picking one, like you said, there's a lot of determining factors that we don't even know yet. We don't know who's gonna be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I'm gonna say Bears because we, we have two shots of beating them. Oh, well, that's fair. 
Uh, the one team I would not say are the Panthers. All the Panthers really need is a quarterback and for CMC to stay healthy to at least give themselves a shot at the playoffs. So I'm glad okay, you I'm didn't say that this. one. This is like <sighs> it's just like the more I listen to this, the more ridiculous it gets. It's just like I'm I'm done. I'm out. Gone. Done. Okay, now we're officially done with Detroit. Oh my god, dude. What? It's like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. We can win six games. We can win five games. It's just like, no. No, you can't. Oh, God. What a disgrace. What a disgrace. Okay. Final things that we're going to, well, really the final thing we're going to talk about is essentially the wrap-up of the weekend. Okay, going to look at every single game. Going to talk about them. Going to peace out. And um, how, it's like, how am I already tired? It's like only like 8.30 at night. Usually I'm recording this like four hours later at like midnight for some weird reason. Regardless. Let's go. Let's talk about some of these games. Some of these games will kind of bull rush through. Other games require a little bit of a uh, a more finer touches. My freaking stupid microphone stand freaking squeaks. Hold on. Okay. Here we go. So. Let's start with the Saturday game that essentially ended Baker Mayfield's career as uh, as a Cleveland Brown, the Browns versus the Packers. Pretty cool uh, game I got to see actually with my family. Went to my aunt's house on Christmas and saw the disaster that was Cleveland uh, or Baker's final game as a Cleveland Brown, or more specifically his most important game as a Cleveland Brown. Through four interceptions, yes, were some on the officials. Absolutely, they were terrible. They sucked. But, I mean, I always complain about the officials. I always talk about how bad the officials are. And they were no different in that game as well. However, despite the officiating being terrible and despite him having four interceptions, the Browns still had the ability to win the football game. At the end of the game, minute left, they got the ball almost at midfield. And the Browns could have drove down the football field and had kicked a field goal, making it 25-24, beating the Packers and continuing on to the playoffs. What happened exactly? Well, Baker Mayfield threw his fourth and final interception of the day. That's what happened. Was it P.I.? Yes. Of course it was. Did the refs miss it? Yes. Of course they were. Uh, of course they did. However, you can't also talk to me and Kevin Safansky definitely deserves some blame as well for the loss as well because they didn't run the football after Nick Chubb had had a bajillion yards and let me tell you something about Green Bay Green Bay does not feel good about that game Green Bay should have lost that game they should have but Baker Mayfield right here's the reason this game is really really important right because that game exposed just how bad the cleveland not the cleveland the green bay packers run stuffing defense is nick chubb johnson whatever his name is all those boys for the cleveland browns 
Ryan Rackshaw against the Green Bay Packers. And I'm very tempted at this point to pick the freaking Vikings because the Vikings can rush the passer with the Neil Hunter. They can semi-play in coverage. And with Dalvin Tomlinson, they can semi-stop the run. I'm living on a prayer. I'm just hoping that they lose so that way the Cowboys get the one seed. Long story short, Packers don't feel great about that game. They really should have lost it. But hey, one in December. A one in December is a one in December. So I'm not going to be like too much of a hypocrite on that. Did I say hypocrite? Hypocrite, excuse me. But Vikings feel pretty good about that game. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, they feel good. They feel great about that game. And it's going to be on Sunday Night Football. I will be front row, and I will be either very excited or very pissed off. Depending on how the game with the Cowboys goes, the th- uh, the 4 o'clock game, and also the uh, this game when I get on. Not this game, but the uh, the Sunday Night game. Colts at Cardinals. Another epic collapse by the Arizona Cardinals. I don't really get it. You know, Kyler was off once again. I didn't see the Detroit game. I saw this game. He was off. Couldn't hit throws at all. Some people are going to be like, the Colts played an awesome game, and they did. Not going to be a hypocrite. However... When I was watching that game, I just thought to myself, I'm like, the Cardinals are just off. And it is the metaphor that I used earlier with like how Kyler is kind of like Superman with kryptonite strapped on his chest when he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. He obviously has a handicap. It's like, oh, this is an obvious handicap. You don't have DeAndre Hopkins. He's not very good without DeAndre Hopkins. Just that simple. Or he's not as good as he really could and should be without DeAndre Hopkins. As evident by how bad he has played without DeAndre Hopkins. It's it, like it is what it is. So they go up, they go down 16 to 22. You know, they lost the one seed. This is just like, this is so Cardinals, man. Like an epic end of season collapse by the Arizona Cardinals after having the one seed in the conference. Had the one seed locked up for weeks. Then they became like the three or the fourth seed after losing to the Lions. And now they don't even have a home playoff game anymore. Like they, they're in the playoffs because of how many wins they have. But they're not even a home, they don't have a home playoff game anymore the Rams do because they've lost so many games and it's just like who do they have on deck I mean they have the Cowboys but who else do they have exactly who who do the Cardinals play with in the next two weeks besides the Cowboys they have Seattle so they could potentially go one and one the Rams they have the Niners and then they have who else do they have let me pull up the the Rams schedule as well They have the Niners, and then they have the Ravens this weekend. That's probably two wins. So it looks like the Cardinals aren't going to get the one seed back in their their division, let alone the conference. (sighs) Oh, God. 
Always say it. Got to win in December. Cardinals got to do better. Cardinals got to play better. Though, again, they're still in the playoffs. We'll see if they can actually do anything in the playoffs, but I doubt it. I think their season is over with. They don't have any momentum going into the next couple of weeks. Falcons at Lions, or Lions at Falcons. We've talked ad nauseum about the Lions. We think we've spent like 30 to 40 minutes on the Lions. They're just a joke. I called it. I was just like, they don't. They won't know how to deal with success. And they didn't. As soon as they got like an ounce and inkling, they just pissed it all away against a team that did not win a single game at home this year, except against the Lions. Rams at Vikings, predictable game. Rams are the superior team. They're starting to get a little bit of momentum here. Stafford is starting to get a little bit, you know, he's starting to get a little bit juiced up, except um, when he throws three interceptions against the Vikings. They're 11-4, and four, but it's a bad 11-4. and four. It's a tricky 11-4. and four. People who put the Rams over the Cowboys, I don't get. Because Stafford has not played great in the last couple of weeks. It's like Sony Michelle had 131 yards, and essentially that was the team. Like, I don't really, I don't really get it, you know? I don't really get what they're doing as a football team. And literally, if you can find a way to shut down Cooper Cup, it's ball game because he essentially accounts for everything. He does everything on the team. He has the most receptions. He has the most yards. It's hard. But if you can shut him, if you can shut him down, and I have no idea, no idea why teams aren't just bracketing him now. Just like, yeah, you're not getting Cooper Cup. No idea why the Vikings were were just like, yeah, we're just not going to bracket you. Don't get it. But Rams beat the Vikings in a closer game than uh, people would think. Three interceptions for Stafford. Yikes. Vikings almost won it. We'll see what happens with the Rams. I don't get why people have the Rams over the Cowboys, in my opinion. Jags at Jets. Tricky game. I said essentially originally that this is like a coin flip, and it was. I picked the Jags to win. They did not win. Trevor Lawrence had no touchdowns, no interceptions. Zach Wilson had two. Ran like for 50 yards as well. Zach Wilson getting a little bit better. I'm just saying. On a really, really crappy football team too. But the Jets won over the Jags. Really no notes about that football team. You know, it is what it is. But I do have some thoughts about the Eagles and the Giants. And I will also talk about the Giants as well. Eagles at Giants. Wow. What a surprise. Eagles beat the crap out of the Giants. 34 to 10. I think we we even talked about it yesterday. We're going to talk about it again today. Because a report came out yesterday on Tuesday. That apparently... Joe Judge and Daniel Jones are being brought in next year. Daniel Jones for his fourth year. Don't mind Joe Judge for his third year because potentially maybe they can make it to the playoffs. They have a lot of good players. We'll see. But they're both being brought back. They're both being, they're both being, you know, reevaluated for talent. And potentially they could both. Probably not win uh, win another game next year as well as they uh, they haven't done for the last three years. Why not just make it a hat trick? Haven't gone to the playoffs last two years. Why not just do it again next year as well? Mm-hmm. 
But yes, unfortunately speaking, the exact thing that I did not want to happen has officially, or more specifically, unofficially happened in the sense of the Giants are bringing back two guys that I don't think that they should bring back. Now, maybe I am going to be wrong next year, this time next year. Maybe the Giants will actually have two guys that are helping contribute to the team going to and winning um, in the playoffs. Maybe. Or, more likely, we're going to be in like the same position next season where we're just like, what? why did we bring these guys back again? I don't know. But yes, Daniel Jones, Matt Nagy will be brought back, unfortunately, next year. It is what it is. Bills at Pats. Bills at Pats. Kind of a weird game, if you thought. I, I feel like this is the game where people are like, see, I told you, I told you, I told you freaking Mac Jones isn't better than than um than, than people thought and now people are bagging on Mac Jones and I'm just like you guys are always wrong about Mac Jones. You guys said that he was terrible. You guys said that he was going to be a bust. Some people said that he was a second round draft pick. I don't I didn't expect him to win against the Bucks or not the uh, the Bucks, but the Bills. The Bills were in full contention for the division all this year. It was the Bills that had conceded this division this year. But obviously, Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Mac Jones, which is why I was just like, oh yeah, weather permitting, they'll probably win. What a surprise. Weather permitting, they won. I'm not I'm the only person that's not surprised that Mac Jones did not perform well last night or technically two nights ago on Sunday. It's just like, yeah, like I I knew he was not gonna play well. Ravens at Bengals. When you start a third third string? I was about to say third string quarter. Yeah, it is. They started a third string quarterback, Josh Allen. Jo- not Josh Allen. Josh Jackson. They also have missed, obviously, a, lo- a lot of their running backs because a lot of their running backs are hurt. Lamar is hurt. Some of their key players, Marlon Humphreys. Some of their key defensive players are- have been hurt. Marlon Humphrey. Marcus Peters, they're hurt. The Bengals are rolling. I didn't expect the Ravens to win. 41-21. Bengals. Easily. Texans versus the Chargers. For some weird reason, the Texans won this game. Yeah, just like the Cardinals, the Chargers are kind of having this weird collapse at the end of the season as well. Where it's just like, how many games has the Chargers dropped again? It's so weird how many games they've dropped in the last couple of weeks. They dropped, obviously, one against the Texans, really months. They dropped one against the uh, the Broncos, the Texans. They almost lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Vikings. You know, the, the they lost to the Pats. They got destroyed 34 to six against the um the Ravens like they have had some really weird games on their resume bro and this is like one of those games where you're just like guys um playoffs they're just like pass we, we don't want to go to the playoffs and it's just like okay K 
couch potato it is. Speaking of a couch potato, Broncos versus the Raiders. Yikes, close game. 13 to 17. Can I just, um, I'll play you this clip here. So, Vic Vangio, and this is straight from Colin Cowherd. Vic Vangio was asked this question by, you know, some media member, right? Who? I don't really know. It's asked this question by this media member. And this media member essentially asked, like, hey, man, uh, are you sure you're going to be back next year? This is your third year here. And you haven't gone to the playoffs. What's like, what's going on? They're, they're the fourth seed in their division. Media members like, are you sure you're going to be here? And he's just like, I absolutely deserve a fourth year. Let's address the comments. As soon as we play the comments, it's a little bit like a long clip. I think it's like 20 seconds. Let's play it. Hold on. Hold on. I got to unmute my computer audio. Oh, here it is. I don't, and uh, I know you think that's a uh, standard answer, but for a lot of reasons, I, I do not worry about it, and uh, those reasons are personal to me, but do mm -hmm. I acknowledge that it's certainly out there and could happen? Absolutely, but do I worry about it? I absolutely do not worry about it for many, many reasons. Do you think you deserve, you and your staff deserve a fourth season, and would you return in 2022 without an extension for yourself? Absolutely. You know, just the direct short answer there. Absolutely. I absolutely deserves a four season with Denver. I said it at the beginning of this year. I was just like, I would get rid of Drew Locke and I would draft a quarterback this year. Great year to draft a quarterback. Obviously, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. Great year. Could have also had Micah Parsons, but, you know, it's neither here nor there. Von Miller, ironically enough, had wanted Micah Parsons. Traded away Von Miller. Was, like, kind of in playoff contention after beating Dallas. Now they're kind of far from it. Just, like, one of those things I look at. I'm just like, why are you getting another year? No playoffs. Team has looked stupidly inconsistent through your tenure. Little to no significant wins. You know, they beat the Cowboys this year. Again, bad team beats a good team. It happens. Haven't figured out the quarterback position, etc., etc. We don't need to go down the Rolodex of Vic Vangio's failures. But potentially if the Raiders, they get an awesome head coach like Kellen Moore, Doug Peterson, and or Brian Leftwich, it's just like, that's an upgrade. They'll probably beat you next year. They have some good players. Chargers have Justin Fields. Really, they should have won the division this year, but they had an epic end of season collapse and the Chiefs, we know what time it is with the Chiefs. So next year, they're going to be bringing in Another head, the same head coach who has not dominated this division, who has not really done anything in this division to really keep his job, hasn't gone to the playoffs, hasn't found a quarterback, offensive line is kind of anemic. 
got what he wanted defensively, traded away Von Miller, got Patrick Sertan, awesome player, but no playoffs. And I said it, I was just like, this is the year that they should be pushing for the playoffs. The whole reason why they drafted Sertan was because they thought that they had a good enough team to push to the playoffs, to make a push for the playoffs. Obviously, he doesn't have a quarterback, and that's kind of what he needs. But if he wanted a quarterback, and if he wanted to do right by the Oregon, if the organization wanted to do right by him and the team and the fans, why draft a quarterback? Instead of pretending that Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke are good enough players to, um, to have on your football team. To essentially be a masquerade of a quarterback. Vic Vangio's coming back for another year. Yikes. Speaking of yikes, Steelers versus Chiefs was an absolute blowout, 36-10. to 10. Steelers were gargantuanly terrible once again. And I just got to ask, once again, I, I, I remember I was cooking food while I was watching it because I was just like, oh yeah, I don't need to watch this. It's just going to be a blowout. I just got to ask people. Um, we've seen enough. We've seen enough of Ben Roethlisberger, right? He should probably be gone, right? We should probably draft a offensive lineman as well. Apparently, they the Pittsburgh Steelers have this thing about not drafting Pittsburgh players for some stupid reason. They're like the Bears. I'm just like, why? Dan Marino played in Pittsburgh. I know that he was too high for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm, I'm like, still, it's just like... So if Dan Marino fell to you guys in like the 90s you guys or the 80s, you guys wouldn't have drafted him? That makes sense. Oh, he's from Pittsburgh, so we can't draft that player? Okay. 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 Not saying Kenny Pickett is Dan Marino at all. I'm just saying it's just like you wouldn't draft a player because he's from your city. That's stupid. Steelers have a lot of work to do, and they're really, really bad. I mean, they're somehow still kind of a playoff team. They're like 7-7, seven and seven, so they're kind of hanging around. Really, I think they're two games out of it, or a game, technically they're like a game out of it. God, are they terrible, the Steelers. 7-7-1. Seven, seven and one. So excited to not see them play in the playoffs. We've talked ad nauseum about the Cowboys versus Washington. Um... Finally, the final game of of the uh, of um oh my god of the weekend oh my god my mind is blanking. Dolphins at Saints. Dolphins beat the tar out of the Saints. I feel bad for my aunt who is a New Orleans Saints fan. Beat the tar out of them, twenty to three. Tua was on one. We've talked about Tua earlier on in the podcast. Saints are a mess. Ian Book got sacked like eight times and threw probably two or three picks. People were talking about how they wanted Blake Bortles to start and play, and I was just like, no, you don't. He sucks. And it was a great weekend for me. It was a great weekend for football. Everything that had that was essentially supposed to happen did happen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, I'm tired. I'll see you um tomorrow. Podcast schedule is going to be weak. 
Not weak. Weird. Why did I say weak? It's going to be weird. Because we are going to cast Alabama versus Cincinnati. And also uh, Georgia versus Michigan on Friday. I am super stoked on that. Super stoked about that game. Anyways, I'm peacing out. I'm tired. I have to use the bathroom. I have not eaten anything besides like pasta and sunflower seeds today. So I'm excited to eat real people food instead of bird food, essentially. So I'll see you tomorrow. I don't know what we're talking about, but we'll probably talk about some other stuff. Anyways, see you tomorrow. 24th podcast.